Everyone right now in the whole department is hurting. Austin police prepare to lay one of their own to rest. The plans in place for tomorrow's funeral for Officer Jorge Pastor and the traditions behind them. Tracking a Thanksgiving Day cold front and a chilly holiday forecast in first warning weather. Texas now restricts college sports for transgender athletes. We're taking a closer look at the federal challenge a new Texas law could face. We, the jury, find the defendant, Caitlin Armstrong, guilty of the offense of murder as alleged in the indictment. After more than a week of testimony, the murder trial for Caitlin Armstrong has come to an end. Armstrong found guilty of killing pro cyclist Mo Wilson. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Jennifer Sanders. I'm Daniel Marine. The jury deliberated for just over two hours. Our Brianna Hollis has been covering this trial from the start. Bree Wilson's family and friends took the stand during the punishment phase of the trial. What did they say? Guys, the energy in that room right now is palpable. It's heavy. The most tears that we have seen on the witness stand since this trial started. We heard from Wilson's friend, Caitlin Cash. We heard from her brother, Matt. They both testified previously in the trial. For the first time, we heard from her parents. They all talked about what a wonderful person Wilson was and how torn up they are now. We're gonna go ahead and give you a look at closing arguments this morning to show you how we got here. That the last thing that Mo Wilson did was scream and terror. Prosecutor Ricky Jones started his closings by taking the jury back to the night of Wilson's death, playing nearby surveillance video that captured screams and gunshots. Caitlin Armstrong has been trapped in a nightmare of circumstantial evidence. From day one, the day started off with intense testimony. Through nine days of hearing from dozens of witnesses, both sides made one final plea to jurors Thursday morning. P365 and left their DNA at the scene. Nobody else in the world fit that description. No one else in the world had their Jeep circling for an hour before you heard that 915 shot. Prosecutors walked jurors back through a timeline of DNA, GPS, and location data and addressed testimony from Armstrong's friends. And what's even more chilling is that when the defendant's two best friends heard that Mo Wilson was dead, they called the police. Those friends testified they did so because Armstrong had made comments about wanting to kill Wilson while talking to her friends about Wilson's connection to Armstrong's then boyfriend, Colin Strickland. And her actions were normal and routine, but she had to be portrayed as a jealous psycho to create the motive. The defense dug into Strickland's behavior towards both Armstrong and Wilson and asked questions suggesting the possibility of Strickland's involvement. They also raised questions about the validity of the DNA and location evidence presented in the trial. Prosecutors ended their arguments discussing Armstrong flying to Costa Rica in the days after the murder. On the beach teaching yoga while the Wilsons are trying to pick up the pieces. The day that she left for Costa Rica, she was as free as you or I or Detective Katie Connor to fly across the country, to fly out of the country. Now, when I stepped out just about five minutes ago, the defense was in the middle of calling its witnesses for the punishment phase. Currently on the stand is Caitlin Armstrong's sister, Christy. We'll have updates tonight at six. Back to you.
All right, Bree, thank you very much. But well, we are less than 24 hours from Officer Jorge Pastor's final patrol, the first Austin police officer to be killed on the line of duty in over a decade. And he was shot early Saturday morning trying to save a family during a hostage situation in South Austin. His funeral and visitation will be held at Germania Insurance Amphitheater at the Circuit of the Americas. Now, visitation starts at 9.30 a.m. and that funeral service is at 11. Police honors will immediately follow in the Coda parking lot. Now, before the funeral will be Officer Pastor's final patrol starting at 8 o'clock. Here's a look at the routes. They're going to start at the Weed Corley Fish Funeral Home in West Austin, making their way to the State Capitol Building before ending at CODA for the services. Now, something to note, Austin ISD says because of the expected traffic delays, students will not be marked tardy tomorrow, but absences are not excused. Today we spoke with the president-elect of the Austin Police Association. We wanted to know the significance behind these traditions, not only for the police force, but for the community. The sacrifice is real. Officers are willing to lay down their life in the service to others. And that was what Officer Pastor did. So as people watch, remember that sacrifice, honor that sacrifice. Don't let it be a short-term memory. His legacy will live on in our department, and everyone here, everyone that was close to him, will remember him forever. This day will not long be forgotten, but we need the public to do that as well because his memory is worth keeping alive. And KXAN will honor the legacy of Officer Pastor by bringing you live coverage of tomorrow's funeral. From the procession through the city to the ceremony at CODA, we'll have full coverage for you throughout the morning. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, a bit of a cool gray day. The morning fog, which affected many of our morning commutes, and the low clouds were very slow to pull east of Austin. Just as that bright white color finally did pull east of our area, a different deck of mid and high clouds pulled in from the west. This is translating to a little bit of a gray evening out there right now. Hey, if you missed the debut yesterday, this is our new Kreitz weather cam down at the Kreitz Market in Lockhart. Wonderful to have a view here from Caldwell County. It is a little gray out there under mainly gray skies, 66 right now from some great barbecue down there southeast of Austin. Hey, coming up, we've got another round of fog tonight. I'll show you when and where that's most likely to affect us tomorrow morning. Thanksgiving Day forecast looking a little chilly and a new tropical system developing late in hurricane season. All right, David, thank you. Israeli forces raid Al-Shifa Hospital again. Their reasoning and what President Joe Biden is saying about hostage negotiations. For the second time in 24 hours, the Israel Defense Forces stormed into Gaza's Al-Shifa Hospital. They maintain Hamas runs a command center underneath, saying assault rifles, uniforms, and technology offer proof. NBC News could not independently verify those claims, and so far the Israeli military has not shared evidence of Hamas tunnels under the complex. But the Biden administration says U.S. intelligence points to Hamas military activity at Al-Shifa. Humanitarian groups are raising concerns about the safety of the patients, staff, and civilians sheltering there. Last night, President Biden said he is, quote, mildly hopeful there could be a deal to free the Hamas-held hostages. Temperatures today kept nearly 10 degrees cooler than normal thanks to the clouds and that morning damp weather. 62 the high so far in Austin, only 63 so far at Austin Bergstrom International Airport. I'll show you a warm-up, but also a Thanksgiving cool-down coming up next. Now it is time to take the next step.
so fairness for female athletes is protected at all levels and finish the other half of the equation to protect all female sports. All week, we've been taking a closer look at the legislative policies and proposals impacting LGBTQ plus Texans, including a new law that aims to restrict college sports for transgender athletes. But the law could soon face a federal challenge. I'm KXAN investigator Josh Hinkle, and that special report, Outlaw, is coming up. Outlaw, a KXAN investigative project unfolding all week. Our team is looking at the connection between a 50-year-old state law banning homosexual conduct and the record number of legislative proposals introduced in 2023 impacting LGBTQ plus Texans. The debate surrounding many of those bills focused on children and families. Some passed into law, some are challenged in court, and others are bound to resurface in future sessions. At least 23 states have passed laws in recent years banning transgender athletes from teams in line with their gender identity. That includes Texas, which passed a law in 2021 related to sports in grades K through 12 and a similar law this year for the college level. KXAN's Sam Stark takes a closer look at the latest Texas laws rollout and what challenges it could face. Growing up in the Dallas area, athletics were always a big part of Mac Beggs's life. The baseball, t-ball, soccer, pole vault, volleyball, like everything. He eventually found wrestling. I just came home one day and I just told my grandmother, like, I was just completely drenched in sweat. And she was looking at me like, what, what have you been doing all day? <laughs> like, you've run from school? I was like, no, I've, I've decided to join wrestling. Begg says he always felt different than the other kids, so after sessions with a gender therapist, he decided to start transitioning. I was already presenting really masculine. I think I was 16 when I started taking actual testosterone. Still, a UIL academic policy when Beggs was in high school in 2017 required him to wrestle against other girls, though he would have preferred to wrestle other boys. That year, he won a state title. The 17-year-old is at the center of attention because the athlete was born a girl but has been transitioning to a boy using growth hormones. But on the road to the state tournament, Beggs won a regional championship after two opposing wrestlers forfeited. Over concerns, Beggs has an unfair advantage due to the testosterone treatments. I didn't feel like I had an option to be scared. I didn't feel like I had an option to not not be strong because if I did, then... I might have lost myself, and I might have not have been here today. In 2022, a new Texas law went into effect, saying K-12 student athletes can only play on teams corresponding with the sex on their birth certificates. By that time, Beggs had gone on to wrestle competitively on the men's team at Life University in Marietta, Georgia. If he'd stayed and wrestled at a college in Texas today, that wouldn't be possible. Another law passed this year extended the rules to the collegiate level. Senate Bill 15 comes down to one thing, fairness. As a legislature, we have taken the first step towards protecting fair competition for women already and passing protections for girls K-12 sports. Now it is time to take the next step so fairness for female athletes is protected at all levels and finish the other half of the equation to protect all female sports. Under the latest law, schools found in violation can face a civil lawsuit. 
Eleven-time NCAA All-American swimmer Jerry Chanteau advocated for Senate Bill 15's passage. If we don't do the small things right now and really protect this and protect the female category of sport, I don't know where we're going to be in 12 years or 22 years. I don't want my grandchildren, my daughter, to not have these opportunities that I had. KXN reached out to several public Texas universities' athletic departments to learn how they will implement the new rules. Many declined interviews, others never responded. Last legislative session, KXN reported Texas colleges questioned by lawmakers said no transgender athletes had ever competed for their schools. In 2022, University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas became the first openly trans person to win an NCAA championship. Shortly after Thomas's win, the NCAA changed its rules, aligning with the Olympics' sport-by-sport -sport approach. So, by the next school year, transgender athletes must provide documentation at least twice a year and within four weeks of competition showing they meet their sports standard. This may include details on testosterone levels. I hope that they participate in sport. I want them to, and I'd like them to do so in the category that they were born at. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something because nothing is impossible in life. Looking at the federal government's involvement in this issue, this year the Biden administration proposed a change to the 50-year-old Title IX regulation, suggesting any categorical bans on transgender athletes should be a violation of the rule. For people who aren't familiar, what is Title IX, Sam? Yeah, so it's the federal law prohibiting discrimination based on sex at any government-funded educational institution. Well, what happened following the announcement of the proposed Title IX rule change? Yeah, so the U.S. Department of Education received over 150,000 in public comments on its interpretation. One letter co-signed by 25 Republican governors, including Greg Abbott here in Texas, called for the agency to withdraw the proposal. The agency had previously announced it would release the change last month, but higher education experts tell us that was an overly optimistic assessment. The agency told KXA and the staff was working overtime to carefully consider every comment using every resource to finish the process as soon as possible. We'll keep you updated, and our coverage of policies impacting LGBTQ plus Texans continues tonight on KXAN News at 6 and 10 and on KXAN.com. Online now, Outlaw, the digital investigation. Watch the full docuseries and explore our interactive elements on a half century criminalizing LGBTQ plus Texans. Check out additional stories on the record number of legislative policies and proposals impacting your community. And listen to a new season of our Catalyst podcast to taking a closer look at our team's personal and professional experiences shaping this report. It's all online now at kxan.com outlaw. Okay, and now we talk weather, some cloud cover mm. today, and will that continue tomorrow? <laughs> Overall, it will. Okay. You know, we got more morning fog and kind of an overcast picture through much of the coming weekend. More clouds and sun, I think, for the next few days, but hey, at least we're seeing a little peak of sun as we get towards sunset. That'll come at 534 tonight in the Austin area. But just as the morning clouds burned off, another overcast sky has returned from these high and mid-level clouds. Uh, 61 degrees right now in Austin County. Kept a little cooler than we thought, admittedly, because of that persistent cloud cover today. It's 60. That's the best we can do right now in San Marcos. A little bit warmer in the western hill country with some breaks in the clouds mid to upper 60s. On the pollen count today, we're doing a little bit better for many. Mold is down, but fall elm also returning, granted still in the low concentration. 
Fog is my concern again for tomorrow morning, so if you were impacted by that misty, foggy roadway this morning, plan a little extra time again tomorrow just to be safe. Here's the visibility over 12 miles. That means unrestricted, no fog this evening. But as early as 4 or 5 a.m., some light visibility restrictions in our eastern counties. And by sunrise tomorrow morning, this is often when the fog is most dense and most widespread. A lot of us east of the Austin area have visibility at one mile or less. That's enough to slow you down and turn on the low beam headlights. And I think unlike this model showing here, I think some of that dense fog will be successful in forming in the Austin area. So again, plan for that. But unlike today, I think the fog clears a little quicker with a dry southwest wind blowing it in and also clearing it out, I think, by about 10 a.m. Other than that, I mentioned kind of an overcast picture over much of the next several days. This is because of that same West Coast storm spinning in a couple diffuse pieces off the coast of California. This is the same one that will eventually bring a slight chance of rain Sunday into Monday and also a cold front here next week. I'll show you that here in just a minute, but I promised I would stay on top of this for you. Down in the tropics, hurricane season still officially continues until the end of November. And new today, the National Hurricane Center labeled this little disturbance as a potential tropical cyclone, number 22 of the year. This means it's not yet a tropical depression or storm, but it is expected to become one quite confidently over the next couple days. If you have travel plans for the holiday down to Jamaica or Cuba, this is not going to destroy the resort you're staying at. I promise you that just a weak tropical storm. Friday and Saturday. After that time, it'll blast past the Turks and Caicos and never really reach hurricane strength, we think, as it whisks out into the North Atlantic over the coming weekend. Back here at home, cool with some fog and low clouds developing tonight. 54 degrees, a lot like last night. Tomorrow afternoon, quite warm, I think, due to the earlier clearing time of the fog from that southwest wind, 77 in the afternoon. Little north wind blows in late in the day, though. That's actually a cool front that's not very noticeable for our Saturday. Another mix of clouds and sun in the lower 70s on a nice start to our weekend. There comes the minimal impacts from that storm, just a slight chance of rain Sunday and Monday, but then a stronger cold front clears out the skies and brings chilly weather for the holiday. Look at that. Thanksgiving looks wonderful. Cold in the morning for the turkey trot, but a mild sunny day at 66. And speaking of Thanksgiving, we've only got one week left in our Friendsgiving challenge. Grab your phone, scan the QR code on the screen in just a moment, and make a donation now if you are able. It's Team David versus Team Kristen, kxan.com slash Friendsgiving. Believe it or not, you have already raised nearly $70,000, but Kristen and I are in a virtual tie. We're trying to get up to 100K. I would love your donation tonight. I appreciate it for Team David. Hundreds of hospital patients potentially exposed to major infections due to needles. What happened and where? Coming up next. Tonight, I'll be joined by Secretary of State Blinken to talk about the potential reset of Chinese-U.S. relations and the Israeli military operation inside a Gaza hospital. Plus, China's growing cloud in this hemisphere, what our cameras saw in Peru on Nightly News. Nearly 450 patients in a Massachusetts hospital may have been exposed to hepatitis B and C, and they've also been exposed to HIV because of bad practices when giving IV medications. Now, officials with Salem Hospital say they were first made aware of this issue earlier this year, and they say the practice has been corrected. The potential exposures involved 
endoscopy patients over a roughly two-year period, and a letter was sent to the patients who were potentially affected. That hospital says so far no reports of infections have been made. Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, we have Law & Order at 7, followed by a new transplant at 8 o'clock, a new dateline at 9 o'clock, and then we're back for more news at KXAN News at 10. And as always, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 o'clock on the CW Austin. Here's where to find us.